It's now time for an in-depth look dedicated to all things pertaining to the New York Red Bulls, tackling all of the latest news and happenings both on and off the pitch. This is the Fall of Bulls Podcast. War road troubles for the New York Red Bulls as they lose to the previously winless Philadelphia Union. We recap the loss at Philly, offer congrats to Tyler Adams, and preview a Mother's Day showdown at Red Bull Arena versus the LA Galaxy. Hello and welcome once again to the Full of Bulls podcast alongside Alfredo Fumasas and Eric Krakauer. I am Mike Corbett talking all things affiliated with the New York Red Bulls. Of course, you can always follow us on our Twitter page at FOBS podcast, Instagram at Full of Bulls and find us on Facebook and subscribe on iTunes. This week's episode, oh, we got uh, quite a bit to talk about. The Red Bulls coming off their second straight loss on the road, this time to the rival Philadelphia Union 3-0, second straight game where they failed to score a goal too. We have a call-up of one of the youngsters, Tyler Adams, to the United States team for the under-20 team, heading off to the World Cup. Congrats to him. And we'll also look ahead to what used to be a big clash, but now uh, it's maybe a little bit of a, a slap fight between the, the coming up with the LA Galaxy on Mother's Day. So... Uh, first and foremost, though, I'd like to say hi to my two uh, buddies here. Alfredo, Eric, how are you guys doing tonight? Mike, doing well, buddy. Doing well. No, another uh, night here talking uh, Red Bulls. Yes. And uh, I, I mean, it. every time you say talking everything Red Bulls, I, I cringe a little bit because, yeah, that, that was the intent of the podcast when we first started. And as yeah. it turns out, all we really talk about is the main team Red Bulls. We don't talk about the Red Bulls too, or or even the, some of the youth teams. So they are actually in action tonight, yeah, I believe, probably. as as the time of this uh, the podcast. I don't I don't have the scoreboard in front of me, so I can't really give too much score updates. As three one on last time I checked, they're up three one. They were, they were down three one. Oh, okay. Well, hopefully they fare a little bit better than the the big club, though. But anyway, how are you guys doing? Eric, how you doing over there? I know your your back's a little gimpy at the moment, right? <laughs> uh, doing great. Uh, always the highlight of my week. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's um, look back, which wasn't necessarily uh, for the highlight reel for the Red Bulls, the the parent club, MLS club. After resting a bunch of their starters against Sporting Kansas City last Wednesday, and they wound up losing that match. They had a fully rested side heading into their clash with the Philadelphia Union down in Chester, Pennsylvania. And they came out of the Keystone State with a 3-0 loss, uh, another road loss. Um, they had their opportunities. They had their opportunities to score some goals early on. They, But once again, the story, they just couldn't finish. And then there was just some uh, breakdowns on defense later on. Uh, uh, it wasn't really that good. Uh, Afraid, I know we talked about it last week where we questioned whether the, the philosophy of Jesse resting everyone midweek going up against Kansas City. And we're almost saying, well, you know what? You got to come out and get the three points. They got it. They got nothing. So now what? Yeah. For me, that was the biggest thing, right? So you rest basically almost all of your team to play against the Philadelphian, which uh, Jesse Marsh said, well, 
we always like to give our our fans a good performance against Philadelphia. By the way, I'm sorry, the Philadelphia Union, who hadn't won since August 27th, 2016. But go ahead. Yeah, we always like to give uh, our fans a good performance against Philadelphia because they're they're a rival. Uh, it's so there's always some interconference play that we like to 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 take serious. And, and look, my biggest thing was like, all right, so if you're gonna rest your guys in K Kansas City midweek, let's come out and, and come out and play and really show something for the sacrifice that you made because basically you threw away the Kansas City game by taking the approach that you did and now you're playing Philadelphia and oh you know I know that we'll get into the game a little bit but it almost seemed like the Red Bulls played down to Philadelphia's level mm -hmm. I believe Shep said that on on the broadcast too um, you know I I, I want to chime in here and say that the game against Kansas City absolutely magnifies this loss to Philadelphia, as mm -hmm. does the fact that Philadelphia had not won a game for a very long time. Yes, Marsh's players did not come into that game um, with the type of aggressiveness that they have approached games this season, especially the kind of aggressiveness, aggressiveness that we saw against Columbus. But all in all, it was a fairly even game, and Philadelphia did play one of its best games of the season. So I know that there might be a tendency to, to think that this was a, a nightmarish scenario, and of course it's not good, but I think that if you, you take away the fact that they rested the players against Kansas City, and you take away the fact that Philadelphia has been doing so poorly uh, recently, or not so recently, this was not as big of a loss as I think a lot of Red Bulls Nation is making it out to be. I don't know. I, I really don't know because you had there was there's no excuse with injuries. Everyone was fairly healthy coming back. I know they they sat out Verone again because I guess they couldn't strain him after playing a, a whole hard uh, 58 minutes in in Kansas City a few days before, so they couldn't even bring him down. But you had everyone back. You. It, there is, it's not as if this was like a letdown. You're playing someone from the Western Conference, you know, one of the bottom feeders. You don't normally play a lot, and then, you know, they, they catch you. This is, you know, they're making up to be a rival, almost like a DC, one, one of their their longtime, not necessarily a longtime rival, but one of their local rivals. You'd think you'd be up for that a little bit. And as he said, as Alfredo said, they tend to play down. They, they A few weeks before that, when Columbus came in, they got up for them. And then for the, a game like this, and then before we get on the whole um, where, where Jesse says M MLS, it's tough to win on the road. I, I just I, I texted both of you guys last night. Toronto went out all the way out to Seattle, same place where Red Bulls went earlier and lost and got a 1-0 victory. Then last night, they just went to Columbus. Yeah, pretty much Columbus should have won the game, but Toronto, two late goals. They, they stole the three points. So that's six points right there on two road games. So Jesse's argument that it's tough winning in MLS, you know what? The good teams find a way to get three points, and they find a way to get points against one of the worst teams in Philadelphia. Yeah, I mean, the, the level of competition in the MLS uh, is not that balanced to the point that teams can trade points once they go away and once they play home. A dominant team and a team that that considers himself uh, uh, a candidate to to be in MLS playoffs got to go out and got to play well. You got to play with an attitude and you got to win games away from your 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 arena. 
And right now, I mean, the, the Red Bulls have yet to win a game this season away. Right, and the Red Bulls are not that well, team. They, well, I mean, they, well, they did win the first game against Atlanta, but that is also an expansion team still finding right. their way. So they were able to win that, but since then it hasn't right. been that. Right, and I think it's a little bit unfair to compare the Red Bulls with Toronto. I mean, those two results that you mentioned were very good results for Toronto, but this is a team that made it all the way to the MLS Cup Final, a team that has the largest payroll in the league against the Red Bulls who lost arguably their best player or one of their best players who is lacking depth and in in a in a in a way is rebuilding especially if you consider the fact that marsh was tinkering with that uh tactical system uh the 4222 before switching back to the 4231 so i understand that losing to philadelphia was not a part of of the narrative. But again, let's not make too much out of this. I think that Philadelphia approached the game very well. If uh, just looking back at that game, there weren't many opportunities for either team in the beginning. In fact, I think it was in the 20th minute, uh, Kamara Lawrence had an opportunity to score. Blake made a very big save. Uh, and that could have perhaps propelled the Red Bulls to a different sort of game. But opportunities were few and far in between. And Blake did have the save. Uh, when it was 1-0 Philadelphia, It was he had a, a really good save on uh, BWP. And a minute later, Sapong comes out and puts his second of uh, three goals into the net. So, yes. But there, I, there was something very interesting what you just said, Eric, where you talk about it's tough to compare them to Toronto. We talk about Toronto and what they've spent. And they, they went to MLS Cup final last year. Should have won the match, but, you know, great goalkeeping and they lost. Then maybe the Red Bulls shouldn't really be considered, one, as you're saying, rebuilding. Are they not one of the best teams in MLS then? And maybe we should think, well, maybe they're just a wild card team. If they can win a playoff round, that's most. But they really should. We really shouldn't be considering them one of the favorites to win MLS Cup. Well, I, I would mean, say that's the correct assessment. I, I think I don't think they're one of the favorites to win the MLS Cup. In in fact, I don't think it would be too controversial to say that the Red Bulls, unless they get a few more players or at least one significant signing are going to be a team that is going to be fourth or fifth or, or, or in sixth place. I, I don't think they're, they'll necessarily struggle to to get into the playoffs because we know that the uh, the conference is not, the East is not that uh, that strong, but they're not going to be vying for the top two or three places in their conference. I just don't believe that's going to happen. Alfredo, what do you think right now? Uh, I mean, with the with the Red Bulls, with their struggles, they obviously are going to need to bring in some more guys in in June, July, if they're really going to be considered a favorites. Because right now, I mean, it's it's tough to really see this team going far. No, absolutely. I think uh, one or two key pieces, to, especially to add depth, because you know Jesse Marshall, he does is he's harps on on depth. And look, that depth should have carried them in KC. That depth should have carried them in, in, in Philadelphia. And, and from what we see, there's not much going on. The Rebels did get Mike Grella back, so that adds a little bit off the bench that he can make a difference. But uh, uh, regardless, I think that the uh, Rebels do need somebody uh, to come in and, and make a, an instant impact. On the other hand, yeah, I, I agree with you guys that the Red Bulls haven't really been shown a team 
uh, this season yet, and we're almost at a third of the season, uh, shown to be a, a team that's going to be vying for those first couple places in the East. But taking into consideration what the Red Bulls have done over the past two years, you can't really discount anything that they may, may do the rest of the season. Yeah, I don't. I think you're right. I don't think you can discount them. I'm just, I'm just making that call based on what I've seen so far. And going back to Mike Grella, I was a little bit confused as to why Marsh took so long to introduce him to the game. I know he's just come off an, an injury, but certainly ten extra minutes, ten or fifteen extra minutes, were not going to do damage to that knee that he was that uh, was ailing. And apparently with the knee issue, it's not it's just more of a pain issue, right? It's not really much damage right now. It's just uh, something being able to play through the pain, correct, Dark? I believe so, yes. Now, Alfred, I, I did say this to you last week. I know we, we talk about with the goal scorers. There's only been four uh, – I was supposed to say Metro Stars. Wow. <laughs> Four Red Bulls that have actually put the ball in the back of the net. And even if you go back to the, you know, playing in the, the CONCACAF games, it's still only four because BWP had the goal. And here's something from Jesse Marsh reading his post-game quotes. Just talk about with the goal scoring. Not sure why we're not able to finish off our plays and not score as many goals as we need to. Alfredo, do you think just with some of the misses, you think it's just Bad luck, just uh, bad chances here the first month or two, and they're finally going to snap out of it. Or it's just that these guys aren't really the finishers. These guys aren't really the goal scorers and the in the game winners. I mean, it could be. I mean, you can't you can't convince me that all of a sudden BWP, who's been one of the top scorers in the in the league in the past couple of years, has just forgotten how to finish. Yeah. Well, I would uh, say besides BWP, but everyone else. I mean, it just seems right. like it's either him or it's. I mean, Grella was somebody that used to get the ball in the back of the net also last season. And, you know, he's been limited as to how many minutes he's he's gotten this season, obviously, because of injury. But but yeah, some of the guys, you know, Goldbranson has come in uh, to add depth to that attack and he really hasn't scored any goals yet. Uh, Verone, I think uh, everybody's had it with Verone. I think that, uh, and then Muil is is taking his chances, but he's he's not a guy that puts the ball in the back of the net. He's not a true finisher. So everybody's depending on 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 BWP and BWP. Every time he he, he sits, he, every time he sets foot on 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 a on a pitch playing for the Red Bulls, you better believe that teams are going to be watching to see where he is at all times. He's not going to be able to get the, those free looks as he was getting in the first years of his MLS career. He's a guy that's very well marked. And I agree, you know, the Red Bulls, some of the Red Bull players, the other players, they have to step up and they have to, you know, Put away those chances because if BWP is getting uh, double teamed, there's going to be a guy that's going to be loose. And the Red Bulls have to find ways, creative ways to find that guy and to, to, to step up and score goals. This is actually what we were talking about in our very first show. Who is going to deliver on the goals? If you look at the, the, the four most attacking players on this team. You look at BWP, he's the scorer, he's been the consistent scorer, and as Alfredo said, he's the guy that's going to continue to score because he hasn't forgotten how to do that. Royer is going to add a few goals. And then you look at um, Muil and you look at Kleshin, neither of these guys are scorers. Neither of these guys are calm in, in front of goal. Yes, Kleshin will, will give you the assists, and if you look at last season, some of the 
the assists that contributed it contributed to his um, season high tally were very basic passes that just so happened to uh, result in, in goals. These are not guys who are going to co contribute to the goal scoring tally. So it behooves Marsh. I know that he went after he got Gobranson, but it behooves Marsh to go and look for a midfielder, a winger who can uh, take some of the responsibility away from BWP. And if that doesn't happen, as Alfredo said, with defenses who know how to um, track BWP, with defenses that have improved as the league has improved, this is going to become more and more problematic for the Red Bulls. Yeah, and ever since a, a couple a couple seasons ago, if you guys remember, uh, Lloyd Sam was getting a lot of goals. Uh, last season, right. he was traded in the middle of the season. Uh, he didn't have that great of, of a season last season, but he's, that's the type of guy that uh, that the Red Bulls need. They need that, a that's winger. That's they're missing. They need a winger that could get free and get behind the defense as the attention comes to BWP. So he's got to sneak in on an overlap behind, behind the, the defense. Sasha has to find them. BWP has to combine to find them. And that's the type of, of player that the Red Bulls don't have right now. Was that the type of player that they're expecting Verone to be? Yes, absolutely. No. So I think that's part of your problem right there. You know, I'm yeah. not, I don't want to put everything on Verone. I know he's had some, of the, you know, some injury problems and just to dump all the problems of one franchise and one player, it's tough to do. But it just really seems it comes back to where a lot of the struggles are coming around them, trying to first center a lot of formations around Verone, and with him not playing when he's able to play, just not really getting into the swing of things. Yeah, it could be, but if you think about it, Verone is not a true. It's not a. He's not a natural winger. He's like a second forward. So it's maybe he's having a hard time coming from the outside to the inside to play or even playing as a second forward that he hasn't been able to find that. So, I mean, I was reading an article on once a Metro that they're, they're ready to cut him off because he just, he just hasn't been that player. Yeah. He's too much of a liability when you're talking about roster depth, right? Yeah. I mean, it's unfair to this guy. You could argue because it's not like he can control his body and he can't control his injuries. But when you're looking um, at building a, a successful season and you have a player who's making the money that he is, a player who was supposed to be a very important cog in this system and he's not delivering because of those injuries, you have to make the tough decision of letting him go. And I think that time has come. Yeah. Yeah, so... That's something that they're definitely going to have to address, whether they find other options within MLS or they look at the designated player route in South America or overseas in Europe. But it, I would say that they probably need another attacking, you know, another forward option or you know, winger option yeah. and probably also center back too because now we've seen some of the injuries and, um, you know, that that's where I think they can get uh, pretty thin. One guy, though, I wanted to ask both of you guys before, and then we'll move on uh, to L.A. Um, just at the, in the back four, though, Murillo, Michael Murillo. Ha uh, so far, he hasn't, he hasn't looked too bad. I know he's no. playing both the losses, but so far, 
I know Jesse's been happy with uh, his performances. Obviously, Jesse's not going to go out and rip any players. But what have you, uh, Eric? What have you seen from him so far that you might think they have a player here? I mean, to be honest, I wasn't particularly impressed with his performance against Philadelphia. Um, he doesn't strike me in terms of his build. He doesn't actually strike me as a right back. He looks like a center back. Um, mm. I thought he was a little bit clumsy on the ball, especially building. And I don't think he provided the the width that the Red Bulls need their their fullbacks to provide in order to offer a more efficient uh, attack. So it, it's still early. He's still adapting to to the system. But I'm not quite sure if this is the guy who is going to deliver what the Red Bulls need. He's certainly not. And this is based on on two games. He's certainly not a a step up. Um, from the guys that uh, you know that that uh, Jesse Marsh already has it at his di- disposal, like Connor Laid, for example. So, do you think he's someone that could possibly jump over to the middle when they do need some help? I mean, in terms of stature, I don't think there's a doubt about that. But whether he can play the position, that's a whole different matter. I mean, Marsh gets to see these guys day in and day out. He knows what they're able to do. We're not at practices all the time. We're not privy to to all their displays. I'm just going on what I saw in two games, but more specifically in the game against Philadelphia. Yeah, I think he's still having a hard time. Uh, adapting to the system, uh, and as we know, uh, Jesse's system, the counter press, uh, the pressing, uh, he's still a guy who's trying to find perhaps a balance on when he should should counter press and press uh, and not give up the space behind his back. So maybe there's still a little bit of hesitation on what he should do, and I think that his instincts really lead him to, okay, when in doubt, I'm just going to make sure that I, I stay on my side and I stay on my zone and I protect the defense. Michael, Mike, very quickly before before moving on to, to the next game against the Galaxy, one thing that I do want to say about this game is that I, I read a lot of tweets from, from Red Bull supporters attacking the way the team defended against Philadelphia. You know, how is it possible that Sapong scored a hat-trick the first of his career? I chose him for my fantasy team, by the way. I anticipated that he was going to have a a decent game. Uh, Don't hate me, Red Bull supporters. But he was very fortuitous, right, in all three of his goals. The first one going through Aaron Long's uh, legs, the the sort of ricochet that the ball took, you would have expected to go wide. Mm -hmm. Then you have the penalty, which, yes, a 50-50 call, uh, you know, Parnell's arm was swinging out, but I don't think it was an intentional movement. It was just the way that his body was moving at that point, and that was for the third goal. The second goal, talk about a fortuitous bounce, right? Bouncing over uh, Parnell again. So there wasn't anything, even though the Red Bulls conceded three goals in this game, there wasn't anything that I saw that was particularly disconcerting about the Red Bulls defending against Philadelphia. The yeah. issue that we have addressed here uh, is is what's going to happen with the scoring. If the Red Bulls are able to identify a player who can add depth to the midfield and can get a few goals, five or six or seven goals, then you're talking about a balanced Red, Bull, Red Bulls team that can cause some damage going into the playoffs. 
Yeah, I mean, bottom line, I think that if this team is scoring goals, they have enough talent and enough enough experience on this team that they can control games. Now, when you're not scoring goals, you obviously are putting uh, a, a lot of pressure on the defense. Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't think that Aaron Long uh, had a, a, a an awful game, but I thought yeah. that out of all the games, this was probably his worst performance. And look, it, it's a first-year player, and it's expected. He's going to make some mistakes. It, it's part of the learning curve. But, uh, uh, you know, the the Red Bulls got to step up and put some goals behind the net so, to relieve some of the pressure of a, of a back line that's still a little bit shaky. It's still finding uh, a, a set number of guys back there, a set number of four guys back there to really bring up some consistency defensively. Well, as you said, where a center back, you could be having a great game, makes one mistake, balls in the net, they lose 1-0, everyone blames him. Then the guy, the forward, the, the striker, he can make five or six mistakes, just makes one good play, puts the ball in the back of the net, they win 1-0, then he's the hero. So it's it's just the way the position goes and way way the guys are on the on the out on the field where yeah you're either uh the hero or the goat yeah i wouldn't really blame too much on him you know it, it happens no you know it was just it was just a, a, a twisted play i think that collectively the the red bulls just had a very poor game and didn't put the ball behind you know in the net yeah okay well moving on before we move on to the LA game, we also just want to congratulate once again Tyler Adams. It was what we pretty much thought was going to happen was confirmed. He was called up to the United States Under-20 World Cup team. He's going to be going off with the team to South Korea. His last game that he'll be available, it does look as if he uh, he's, be he's gone. Yeah, that's you know I'm just reading something now. They say he's already off. I guess you know what you can't risk getting hurt if they're going to be yeah. calling him off because then. But it, depending on how far the United States goes, he if they don't advance out of the group stage, he, he might be back June 3rd for the game at Montreal. Or if they advance further, probably it would be June 18th. So more than likely, June 18th might be the earliest yeah. that he's back. That would be a game at Philadelphia, so to say. Yeah. So I think that's, uh, that's going to be one loss for them. He's someone who's been progressing. but Yeah, yeah I think it's a huge loss for the Red Bulls just now when he was getting into the rhythm and he was getting mm -hmm. used to playing with Felipe. Uh, but what, the bigger story here is how Sean Davis is going to take advantage of this opportunity. He had some opportunities earlier in the season, wasn't that impressive, but now he has a chance to really come in and really put a mark his mark on this team. Uh, you know, the guy's gone. You don't have any competition. There's no fear that next week you're not going to be playing. So it's all in your hands. You got to come out and you really have to play well in order to show uh, Jesse that the gamble, if you call a gamble, of letting Dax McCarthy go because you had these these young kids to step in, whether that gamble was right or wrong. Can I just uh, I, I add in a little little something here? Two things about Dax McCarty. It's it's incredible to me. Well, not incredible, but um, he has been a a highlight player for Chicago all season long. I, I mean, it's it, it's impressive, and it's just a reminder of how important he was for the Red Bulls. But the other thing that I wanted to mention is his increasingly 
uh, more entertaining bromance with Bastian Schweinsteiger on yeah. social media and MLSsoccer.com being all over it. It's just two, two funny stories that I'm sure are making uh, Dax's transition to the Windy City a little bit easier. Yeah, they're going to Cubs games, throwing out the first pitch. And all Singing that. songs. Yeah. They're playing catch. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Well, I guess that's um, it's good for the fire then. You know, you talk about a team, one of the original – well, not original. They came around in 98, won the championship their first year, had a few down years. So it's something where I know people were saying they weren't sure how much of a, a, a jolt uh, Schweinsteiger would be, bringing in a designated player if he had really buzz. But I know he's talked about the struggles of the league itself, but it, it seems like he's uh, fitting in there pretty well. And, you know, obviously he's not afraid to, to go after a few guys that we saw with the Red Bull match a few, few weeks ago. Moving on to the next Red Bull match, this Sunday, Mother's Day. Happy uh, Mother's Day to all the mothers ahead of time. The 6 p.m. start on Fox Sports 1, the L.A. Galaxy. And, and you know, in years past, this used to be – a you know, who's who when, when they would play. You'd have Henri, you'd have Beckham, you'd have Robbie Keane, you'd have, you know, Landon Donovan, on Pablo Angel, Cahill. You, now, you know, you got Dos, uh, Giovanni Dos Santos on L.A. L.A. has struggled this year. You talk about the team, won most MLS Cups. They're two, win, uh, two wins, two draws, five losses after nine games for eight points. And Jermaine Jones the U.S. International via Germany. He's out three or four weeks. I was watching some of the game last week. He's out with a knee sprain. Coming off a 2-2 draw versus the Chicago Fire, where they were down 2 nothing early. And they had the two first-half subs. One was an injury. Then the other one, Van Dam, you know, they, they benched uh, benched their captain. I'm not even sure if he's going to be playing this week. In the first half. Back. Yeah, they came back. They got the 2-2 draw. So – yeah, I don't know really what to say about this one. The Red Bulls are back at home. Yeah. You know, they have a start of three-game homestand. You know, Jesse talks about how important it is to to play at home. Uh, Alfredo, I guess coming into this match, we always are they maybe sort of getting too dependent on just saying, "Oh, we're at home. We play better at home," because eventually that luck's going to run out. Well, I, I mean, I don't know if it's if it's luck or if the Red Bulls mentally they feel confident when they play at home. Uh, I think that, and we've said it here multiple multiple times that they have a safe haven at Red Bull Arena, and now they have a a three game home home stand again to get that momentum back, a momentum that they gave up when they, you know, fielded the second mm -hmm. string team against KC, but done and buried for me but now they have another chance you know the the galaxy comes into uh into red bull arena uh not the galaxy of past years this early in the season but uh you know there's been some changes some shake up i think that that whole van damme mood move he, he made a couple mistakes in the game and the coach yanked him um he is their captain uh the coach has been very uh vocal uh, publicly, publicly about uh, Van Dam and, and that the the club is the thing that matters the most, and he's there to serve the club, and he he will make the moves and he will call out whoever he needs to call. But the red the the, the Galaxy coming to Red Bull Arena, in in almost I don't want to say the same situation as as Philly, but they need to get back on the winning track. Uh, they did come out from behind, come out from behind against Chicago, and they tied the game after being down two goals. But now they come into to Red Bull Arena 
and they want to get back into the top of the West, which is they're always on top of the West. And and right now they're not a team that's that's up in the, in those top spots. Yeah, and Kurt Analfa's job is is on the line here. It's funny that he's played the hard man when it's come to Van Dam, but he was never the hard man when it came to Jermaine Jones. And Jermaine Jones's uh, erratic play, and by erratic, I don't mean erratic as in inconsistent quality, but the fact that tactically he's not the most disciplined player is one of the things that hurt the LA Galaxy in the beginning of the season, leaving... Um, João Pedro alone in the midfield defending the, the, the back four. I actually think that Jones's injury might actually uh, prove a blessing for uh, L.A. They changed their forma uh, formation recently because Jones was uh, such a wild card going forward by bringing Hussidic into that defensive midfielder, a good tackler, a guy who, who, who's very good going going both ways. But now I'm, I'm curious to see whether... Uh, Onalfo continues with the the four two three one that the, the the Red Bulls also use, or if he's going to go back to the four four two that he started the season off with. Because if he plays with the four two three one that he changed to, and that proved um, beneficial in the second half against Chicago, even though L.A. scored two goals from from set pieces, they had a much better second half. The problem is that Giovanni De Santos is not a striker; he's a forward who likes to play behind the, the striker. And Galaxy are not going to score goals They're in that situation. If they play with those tactics, they'll have they'll run into the same problems, I think, as the Red Bulls have run uh, into this season. So I'm very curious to see what changes are made. Is Zardi uh, going to play further forward, or is he going to stick to the wing? Is uh, McInerney, uh, who used to play for Philadelphia, is he going to uh, win a, a starting spot now? So... Uh, this is really a must-win for both these teams, for, for the Red Bulls because they're at home and for the LA Galaxy because their their coach may be uh, on the chopping block. And they're one and two on the road. And also, let's not forget with that LA comeback, both the goals they scored, obviously they were pushing the play, but both the score goals they did score came off as set pieces. Two corners. Yeah. So, but looking at the Red Bulls... Um, who they put out there? Obviously, you're gonna have BWP out there. You're gonna are you gonna um, put yeah. Davis out there? You're gonna you yeah, put no. Davis out there starting. You're gonna have yeah. Grella out there. I I don't know yeah. how they look after the last two matches. Who Alfredo? Who would you put out there starting this match against LA? Yeah, I don't think it's gonna be much different from what we saw against uh, Philadelphia, with the exception of the guys that are missing. Uh, which is uh, Tyler Adams. I think that Sean Davis will get to start next to Philippe. Uh, I don't think Grell is, is ready yet for for uh, for 90 minutes, so I think he, he's going to be a strong candidate to be the first guy off the bench. Um, but I think that he's going to continue with the same lineup. Uh, Royer, Muil, uh, Sasha, BWP, um, Kamara Lawrence on the left. I think that Long and Perinel will be in the center of defense because I don't think Collins is going to be healthy for this game. And I think that uh, Murillo might very well get another start at right back. I actually think that Grella may start this game. Um, you know, I, I don't believe that the fact that they can't score is lost on on Jesse Marsh. And Will 
had the the worst game that he's had all season against Philadelphia, why not take this opportunity to get Grella in there? Yes, he's not match fit for for 90 minutes, but why bring him in at the end? Have him there from the beginning. If you know that he's going to be a sub anyway, just have him start the game, see if he can if he can score or assist in some goals and if it doesn't work out, then bring bring Wheel. Something where you could just tell him, "Hey, Go out there. You got 60 minutes. Just go out there. Just give it all for the whole 60 minutes, and then we're going to have um, Wheel come out there and, and relieve you. And then you also think with Wheel coming on, that could be another energy boost late in the game where the other team's wearing down. You have him come out there almost like the Energizer Bunny where his, his motor's nonstop. That that could be – now, would you – with we're talking about with if, if Laid is healthy, would you go back with Laid over Mario, or you give him another run out again? I would. I'd, I'd have Laid in this game. I mean, he was on the bench against Phil. No, he wasn't on the bench. Sorry, but uh, if he's if he's fit, you you start him. He knows the system. He's played well uh, in the games that he's played this season. Why not give the the kid another start? Yeah, I think that's the biggest advantage that Laid ha- and Zizu. Uh, have on Murillo is the fact that they know the system, but I I think that uh, you know I, I'm hoping for for good things from Murillo to be honest with you, and once he gets into the swing of things, he's gonna end up proving me right. Now we talked about last week before we go, we talked about last week, you know three points is is a must against Philadelphia. They didn't get it. Now coming at home, what happens? What now? If they if they fail to get the three points, if they settle for a draw, or if they happen to lose to LA, then where do they go from here? Yeah, well, you know, I know it's not it's not the end of the world, right? The Red Bulls are currently five five and one. Last last season at this time, they were three seven and one. So that there's there's people that will find a bit of a, a positive outlook on the season so far because of of where they were at this point of the season last season. Um, but uh, I don't think it's the end of the world. But I do think that the Red Bulls need to continue to prove that uh, Red Bull Arena is their safe haven, and they need to keep uh, keep the fans happy because I think right now there's there's probably people out there that are starting to second guess the whole this whole team this this season, especially with the depart the departure of uh, Dax McCarthy. Yeah, look, I, I actually think that the, the Red Bulls are going to win this game because there's there's just a lot going on behind closed doors with L.A. I think the pressure is, is is getting to them. Although I think that Jones not being there is a blessing, I still think it's going to take a game or two for them to identify the best way to forward without him. So I, I think that the Red Bulls, having lost two games, are wounded the Galaxy are wounded, but they're playing away. The Red Bulls, as Alfredo's been saying, are very strong at home. I think this is going to be the kind of game that is going to uh, really I- improve their confidence. And I think we're going to see something very similar to what we saw against Columbus and against Chicago, a, a, Red, a Red Bull team that perhaps will not play its best soccer, but will find a way to grind out a result. And I, and I wasn't on the show last week when you guys talked about the game against Chicago, but one thing that I that I thought was was impressive about the Red Bulls was that Despite some of their defensive mistakes with their high line, despite their lack of real 
uh, fluency in their attack, they got the three points. And that's a good sign because if you're able to win when you're not playing well, um, especially at home, that is something that you can hang your hat on. Yeah, I, I completely agree. But I think that uh, playing against Philadelphia, who had their back against the wall, basically, who were on the precipice of of losing their season, and they may still lose their season, but they were in such a bad position uh, that it was almost like a wounded animal, right? They had to come out and play hard this game. I think that L.A. is probably in the same situation, albeit not playing at home, I still think that this team has something to prove. Now, whether or not they are on the side of this coach is a totally different story because if the team's not happy with this coach, they may be very well doing a sabotage job. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I don't think that's the case. It, it could very well be. I think that the difference between Philadelphia and L.A. is that Curtin had a system that despite the losses, he was not willing to change. And he made that uh, very public with the pressure on his back um, because, you know, people said or were saying that if he lost against the Rebels, this could potentially, that could have been it for him. With the Galaxy, it's different. With the Galaxy, there is no system in place. You know, there. I don't think Analfo really knows what it is that he wants to do tactically, and that's advantage Red Bulls. Well, we shall see come 8 p.m. Sunday evening whether Six, it's – Well, it's 8 p.m. will be when the match is over, so we'll know what the result oh. is by then. That's right. what I'm saying. At least two minutes. So we'll know if it's um, yays, boos, or eh, if it's a draw. All right. For Eric Krakauer, for Alfredo Fumasas, I am Mike Corbett. Thank you once again for listening to the Full of Bowls podcast. See you, everybody. Adios. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at FOBS Podcast, on Instagram at Full of Bulls, and visit our Facebook page and subscribe on iTunes. This has been a presentation of the Full of Bulls Podcast. Thank you for listening.